Thousands of times to the lotus feet of his divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, to all the previous Acharyas, and to every one of you who are uh, tuned in to hear Krishna Kata today. Thank you very much for joining. Hare Krishna. Thus, we should not think that Krishna is overpowered by material potency when he is in the material world. Neither Krishna nor his incarnations ever come under the control of material nature. They are totally free. Indeed, in Srimad Bhagavatam, one who has a godly nature is actually defined as one who is not affected by the modes of material nature, although in material nature. If even a devotee can attain this freedom, then what to speak of the Supreme Lord? The real question is, how can we remain unpolluted by material contamination while in the material world? Srila Goswami explains that we can remain uncontaminated while in the world if we simply make it our ambition to serve Krishna. One may then justifiably ask, how can I serve? It is not simply a matter of meditation, which is just an activity of the mind, but of performing practical work for Krishna. In such work, we should leave no resource unused. Whatever is there, whatever we have, should be used for Krishna. We can use everything, typewriters, automobiles, airplanes, missiles. If we simply speak to people about Krishna consciousness, we are also rendering service. If our mind senses speech, money, and energies are thus engaged in the service of Krishna, then we are no longer in material nature. By virtue of spiritual consciousness or Krishna consciousness, we transcend the platform of material nature. It is a fact that Krishna, his expansions and his devotees, that is, those who work for him, are not in material nature, although people with a poor fund of knowledge think that they are. So in the first paragraph, um, Prabhupada gives this logical argument about how even the devotee can become transcendental to material nature as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Brahmanya daya karmani sangam tyakpa karotiya lipitena sapapena padma patram ibambasa. A person who is free from attachment to the result of the, the fruit of the work that he or she is performing doesn't get entangled in the material world. And uh, elsewhere, and, and he says that such a person is like a, a lotus flower that lives in the pond but isn't touched by the water. So the, the devotee, because of absorption, brahmanyadaya karmani sangam tyakva karotiya, doesn't uh, touch the material nature at all, is, is working within it, but because the intention is different. If my intention is to serve Krishna when I'm doing my work, I'm not attached to the fruit for myself, then I remain um, aloof from the material world, even though I'm acting in it. And then Prabhupada gives this very important uh, definition of devotional service that has to do with Sarvopati Vanirmuktam Taprapvena Nirmalam Rishikena Rishikesha Sevanam Paktiruchate. 
the senses are all engaged in the service of the master of the senses, Rishikesh. And Anasaktasa Vishayan Yatarham Upayunjita Nirbanda Krishna Sambande Yuktam Vairagya Muchite Prapanchikataya Buddha Hari Sambandi Vasuna Mumukshavi Pradago Vairagyam Palugukatyate. Everything is Krishna's energy and it can be used in his service. And therefore, if one leaves behind something that can be used in service, thinking that it's superfluous, that is false renunciation. And, and uh, the process of devotional service is, is um, anushil. It means that it has to be active. And there's both internal activity and there's external activity. So externally, there are practical activities that one can do for Krishna as uh, like work. And um, the Goswamis of Vrindavan excavated holy places and they also wrote books and uh, performed many um, kinds of devotional service with their bodies. For instance, Sanat Goswami did Govardhan Parikrama every day and so on. So um, it's an active process, not just meditation. Prabhupada continues, the Chaitanya Charitamrita teaches that the spirit soul is immortal and that our activities in the spiritual world are also immortal. The Mayavadis who hold the view that the absolute is impersonal and formless, contend that a realized soul has no need to talk. But the Vaishnavas, devotees of Krishna, contend that when one reaches the stage of realization, he really begins to talk. Previously, we only talked of nonsense, the Vaishnava says. Now let us begin our real talks, talks of Krishna. In support of their view that the self-realized remains silent, the Mayavadis are fond of using the example of the water pot, maintaining that when a pot is not filled with water, it makes a sound, but that when it is filled, it makes no sound. But are we water pots? How can we be compared to them? A good analogy utilizes as many similarities between two objects as possible. A water pot is not an active living force, but we are. Ever silent meditation may be adequate adequate for a water pot, but not for us. Indeed, when a devotee realizes how much he has to say about Krishna, 24 hours in a day are not sufficient. It is the fool who is celebrated as long as he does not speak, for when he breaks his silence, his lack of knowledge is exposed. The Chaitanya Charnamrita shows that there are many wonderful things to discover by glorifying the Supreme. And Shukadev Goswami brings this up at the beginning of the Bhagavatam. And he says that there are many topics for hearing in this world. But the Vaishnavas have a refined sense of hearing. They only want to hear Krishna Kata. And that includes the instructions Krishna gives or instructions about Krishna consciousness given by his devotees and also about Krishna's pastimes. <coughs> Devotees also discuss amongst themselves about how to serve Krishna. That's also included 
in transcendental vibration when the devotees are discussing how to uh, increase the Sankirtan movement, how to perfect deity worship, how to clean the temple, and so forth. In the beginning of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami writes, I offer my respects to my spiritual masters. He uses the plural here to indicate the disciplic succession. He offers obeisances not to his spiritual master alone, but to the whole parampara, the chain of disciplic succession beginning with Lord Krishna himself. Thus the author addresses the guru in the plural to show the highest respect for all his predecessor spiritual masters. After offering obeisances to the disciplic succession, the author pays obeisances to all other devotees, to the Lord himself, to his incarnations, to the expansions of Godhead, and to the manifestation of Krishna's internal energy. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, sometimes called Krishna Chaitanya, is the embodiment of all these. He is God, guru, devotee, incarnation, internal energy, and expansion of God. As his associate, Nityananda, he is the first expansion of God. As Advaita, he is an incarnation. As Gadadhara, he is the internal potency. And as Srivas, he is the marginal living entity in the role of a devotee. Thus, Krishna should not be thought of as being alone, but should be considered as eternally existing with all his manifestations, as described by Ramanujacharya. In the Vishishtadvaita philosophy, God's energies, expansions, and incarnations are considered to be oneness in diversity. In other words, God is not separate from all of these. Everything together is God. Actually, the Chaitanya Charitamrita is not intended for the novice, for it is the postgraduate study of spiritual knowledge. Ideally, one begins with the Bhagavad Gita and advances through Srimad Bhagavatam to the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Although all these great literatures are on the same absolute level, for the sake of comparative study, the Chaitanya Charitamrita is considered to be on the highest platform. Every verse in it is perfectly composed. In the second verse of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, the author offers his obeisances to Lord Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda. He compares them to the sun and the moon because they dissipate the darkness of the material world. In this instance, the sun and the moon have risen together. In the Western world, where the glories of Lord Chaitanya are relatively unknown, one may inquire, who is Krishna Chaitanya? The author of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Srila Krishna's Kaviraj, answers that question in the third verse of his book. Generally, in the Upanishads, the Supreme Absolute Truth is described as impersonal. Generally, in the Upanishads, the Supreme Absolute Truth is described in an impersonal way. But the personal aspect of the Absolute Truth is described in Sri Upanishad, where we find the following verse. Hiranmayena patri na satyasya pitham bukham tatthang gushana pabrenu satyatharmaya drishtaye satyatharmaya drishtaye O oh, my Lord, sustainer of all that lives, your real face is covered by your dazzling effulgence. Kindly remove that covering and exhibit yourself to your pure devotee. Sri Upanishad 15. The impersonalists do not have the power to go beyond the effulgence of God and arrive at the personality of Godhead from whom this effulgence is emanating. 
The Ishapanishad is a hymn to that supreme to that personality of Godhead. It is not that the impersonal Brahman is denied, it is also described, but that Brahman is revealed to be the glaring effulgence of the body of Lord Krishna. And in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, we learn that Lord Chaitanya is Krishna himself. In other words, Sri Krishna Chaitanya is the basis of the impersonal Brahman. The Paramatma or Super Soul who is present within the heart of every living entity and within every atom of the universe is but the partial representation of Lord Chaitanya. Therefore, Sri Krishna Chaitanya being the basis of both Brahman and the all-pervading Paramatma as well is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. As such, he is full of six opulences, wealth, fame, strength, beauty, knowledge, and renunciation. In short, we should know that he is Krishna, God, and that nothing is equal to or greater than him. There is nothing superior to be conceived. He is the Supreme Person. Srila Rupa Goswami, a confidential devotee, taught for more than 10 days continuously. Srila Rupa Goswami, a confidential devotee, taught for more than 10 days continually by Lord Chaitanya, wrote, Namo Mahaparanyaya Krishna Prema Pradayate Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namne Gaurakushe Namaha. I offer my respectful obeisances under the Supreme Lord Sri Krishna Chaitanya, who is more magnanimous than any other avatar, even Krishna himself, because he is bestowing freely what no one else has ever given, pure love of Krishna. Lord Chaitanya's teachings begin from the point of surrender to Krishna. He does not pursue the paths of karma yoga or jnana yoga or hatha yoga, but begins at the end of material existence, at the point where one gives up all material attachment. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna begins his teachings by distinguishing the soul from matter. And in the 18th chapter, he concludes at the point where the soul surrenders to him in devotion. The Mayavadis would have all talk cease there, but at that point, the real discussion only begins. As the Vedanta Sutra says at the very beginning, Atato Pramajignasa, let us, now let us begin to inquire about the absolute truth. Rupa Goswami thus praises Lord Chaitanya as the most magnificent incarnation of all, for he gives the greatest gift by teaching the highest form of devotional service. In other words, he answers the most important inquiries that anyone can make. There are different stages of devotional service and God realization. Strictly speaking, anyone who accepts the existence of God is situated in devotional service. To acknowledge that God is great is something, but not much. Lord Chaitanya preaching as an acharya, a great teacher, taught that we can enter into a relationship with God and actually become God's friend, parent, or lover. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna showed Arjuna his universal form because Arjuna was his dear friend. Upon seeing Krishna as the Lord of the universes, however, Arjuna asked Krishna to forgive the familiarity of his friendship. Lord Chaitanya goes beyond this point. Through Lord Chaitanya, we can become friends with Krishna and there will be no limit to this friendship. We can become friends of Krishna, not in awe or adoration, but in complete freedom. We can even relate to God as his father or mother. This is the philosophy not only of Chaitanya Charitamrita, but of Srimad Bhagavatam as well. 
There's no other scripture in the world in which God is treated as the son of a devotee. Usually God is seen as the Almighty Father who supplies the demands of his sons. The great devotees, however, sometimes treat God as a son in their execution of devotional service. The son demands and the father and mother supply. And in supplying Krishna, the great devotee becomes like a father or mother. Instead of talking from taking from God. Instead of taking from God, we give to God. It was in this relationship that Krishna's mother, Yashoda, told the Lord, here, eat this or you'll die. Eat nicely. In this way, Krishna, although the proprietor of everything, depends on the mercy of his devotee. This is uniquely a uniquely high level of friendship in which the devotee actually believes himself to be the father or mother of Krishna. However, Lord Chaitanya's greatest gift was his teaching that Krishna can be treated as one's lover. In this relationship, the Lord becomes so much attached to his devotee that he expresses his inability to reciprocate. Krishna was so obliged to the gopis, the coward girls of Vrindavan, that he felt unable to return their love. I cannot repay your love, he told them. I have no more assets to give. Devotional service on this highest, most excellent platform of lover and beloved, which had never been given by any previous incarnation or charya, was given by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Therefore, Krishna's Kaviraj, quoting Srila Rupa Goswami, writes in the fourth verse of his book, Lord Chaitanya is Krishna in a yellow complexion, and he is Shachi Nandana, the son of Mother Shachi. He is the most charitable personality because he came to deliver Krishna Prema, unalloyed love for Krishna, to everyone. May you always keep him in your hearts. It will be easy to understand Krishna through him. We have often heard the phrase, love of Godhead. How far this love of Godhead can actually be developed can be learned from the Vaishnava philosophy. Theoretical knowledge of love of God can be found in many places and in many scriptures. But what that love of Godhead actually is and how it is developed can be found in the Vaishnava literatures. It is the unique and highest development of love of God that is given by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Even in this material world, we can have a little sense of love. How is, it po how is this possible? It is due to the presence of our original love of God. Whatever we find within our experience within this conditioned life is situated in the Supreme Lord, who is the ultimate source of everything. In our original relationship with the Supreme Lord, there is real love, and that love is reflected pervertedly through material conditions. Our real love is continuous and unending, but because that love is reflected pervertedly in this material world, it lacks continuity and is inebriating. If we want real transcendental love, we have to transfer our love to the supreme lovable object, Krishna, the supreme personality of Godhead. This is the basic principle of Krishna consciousness. In material consciousness, we're trying to love that which is not at all lovable. We give our love to cats and dogs, running the risk that at the time of death, we may think of them and consequently take birth in a family of cats and dogs. Our consciousness at the time of death determines our next life. That is one reason why the Vedic scriptures stress the chastity of women. If a woman is very much attached to her husband at the time of death, she will think of him 
and in the next life she'll be promoted to a man's body. Generally, a man's life is better than a woman's becomes a woman usually has better because a man usually has better facilities for understanding the spiritual science. But Krishna consciousness is so nice that it makes no distinction between man and woman. In the Bhagavad Gita 932, Lord Krishna says, anyone who takes shelter of me, whether a woman, Shudra, Vaishya, or anyone else of low birth is sure to achieve my association. This is Krishna's guarantee. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu informs us that in every country and in every scripture, there's some hint of love of Godhead, but no one knows what love of Godhead actually is. The Vedic scriptures, however, are different in that they can direct the individual in the proper way to love of God, to love God. Other scriptures do not give information on how one can love God, nor do they actually define or describe what or who the Godhead actually is. Although they officially promote love of Godhead, they have no idea how to execute it. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gives a practical demonstration of how to love God in a conjugal relationship. Taking the part of Srimati Radharani, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu tried to love Krishna as Radharani loved him. Krishna was always amazed by Radharani's love. How does Radharani give me such pleasure? He would ask. In order to study Radharani, Krishna lived in her role and tried to understand himself. This is the secret of Lord Chaitanya's incarnation. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna, but he has taken the mood and role of Radharani to show us how to love Krishna. Thus the author writes in the fifth verse, I offer my respectful obeisances unto the Supreme Lord, who, absor who is absorbed in Radharani's thoughts. This brings up the question of who Srimati Radharani is and what Radha Krishna is. Actually, Radha Krishna is the exchange of love, but not ordinary love. Krishna has immense potencies, of which three are principal, the internal, the external, and the marginal potencies. In the internal potency, there are three divisions, Samvit, Hladini, and Sandini. The Hladini potency is Krishna's pleasure potency. All living entities have this pleasure-seeking potency, for all beings are trying to have pleasure. This is the very nature of the living entity. At present, we are trying to enjoy our pleasure potency by means of the body in the material condition. By bodily contact, we are attempting to derive pleasure from the material sense objects. But we should not entertain the nonsensical idea that Krishna, who is always spiritual, also tries to seek pleasure on this material plane. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna describes the material universe as a non-permanent place full of miseries. Why then would he seek pleasure in matter? He is the super soul, the supreme spirit, and his pleasure is beyond the material conception. To learn how Krishna enjoys pleasure, we must study the first nine cantos of Srimad Bhagavatam, and then we should study the 10th canto in which Krishna's pleasure potency is displayed in his pastimes with Radharani and the damsels of Raja. Unfortunately, intelligent people turn at once to the sports of Krishna in the Dashamaskanda, the 10th canto. Krishna's embracing Radharani or his dancing with the cowherd girls in the Rasa dance are generally not understood by ordinary men because they consider these pastimes in the light of mundane lust. They foolishly think that Krishna is like themselves and that he embraces the gopis just as an ordinary man embraces a young girl. Some people thus become interested in Krishna because they think 
that the, his religion allows indulgence in sex. This is not, not Krishna Bhakti, love of Krishna. But Prakrita Sahaja, materialistic lust. To avoid such errors, we should understand what Radha Krishna actually is. Radha and Krishna display their pastimes through Krishna's internal energy. The pleasure potency of Krishna's internal energy is a most difficult subject matter. And unless one understands what Krishna is, one cannot understand it. Krishna does not take any pleasure in this material world, but he has a pleasure potency. Because we are part and parcel of Krishna, the pleasure potency is within us also. But we are trying to exhibit that pleasure potency in matter. Krishna, however, does not make such a vain attempt. The object of Krishna's pleasure potency is Radharani. Krishna exhibits his potency as Radharani and then engages in loving affairs with her. In other words, Krishna does not take pleasure in this external energy, but exhibits his internal energy, his pleasure potency, as Radharani, and then he enjoys with her. Thus, Krishna manifests himself as Radharani in order to enjoy his internal pleasure potency. Of the many extensions, expansions, and incarnations of the Lord, this pleasure potency is the foremost and chief. And we'll stop there for a minute or so, or maybe a minute of Brahma. And let's take some questions to illuminate the conversation. Illuminate and expand, please. So Dennis writes, can one be mainly engaged in reading, chanting, writing as services, or should the main services be practical like cleaning and cooking, etc.? Well, when our reading of the of the uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita earlier, uh, Mahaprabhu was describing to Sanatan Goswami how some devotees focus on uh, one service, like uh, hearing, chanting, remembering, and so forth, and other devotees do all of them at the same time. So it depends on one's propensity. So a devotee named Sadaputta, who is a, a genius, but nobody knew it. It was sort of like Judd Bharat. And um, he was digging holes for fences in New Vrindavan because um, no one knew his prowess, intellectual prowess. And then Prabhupada wanted to start an intellectual branch of ISKCON. So he started the Bhaktivedanta Institute. And he made a call to all the temples. Um, that is, he, he put out uh, an edict that if there were any uh, highly educated, scientific, scientifically minded devotees, that he would like them to uh, come together to help form this Bhaktivedanta Institute. And so... One day in a class in New Vrindavan, the, the edict was read, and uh, those devotees who had some uh, higher education, of which Sadaputta Prabhu had a lot in mathematical biology or something like that, and he, he raised his hand, and everyone looked at him, uh, <laughs> thinking, "You, you're educated." <laughs> they couldn't tell, and uh, in any case he ended up doing instead of digging holes for fences which is a perfectly nice service uh 
spending time writing books and doing research for the Bhaktivedanta Institute. So according to one's propensity, uh, one may uh, do this or that. And of course, it's always nice to mix things up and uh, do, do several services, cleaning the temple and deity worship and so forth. And uh, also other kinds of things, but people do have different propensities. And that's perfectly fine to engage in the, those services that you're suited for. Uh, let's see. I like the point of Anasaktabhav, working for Krishna, not expecting fruit for ourselves. My question is, how do we cultivate this bhav? I know I'm far from this, even though I know I'm not supposed to expect anything for me. But maybe I am too much in maya. It has not come yet. Hare Krishna. Well, one way is by um, understanding the Sri Yashupanishad. It's a fact that everything's controlled and owned by the Lord. Ishavasyamidam sarvam yatkincha jagat jam jagat tena tyak tena bunjita magradha kasasuddhanam. Everything animate or inanimate within the universe is controlled and owned by the Lord. One should therefore accept only those things necessary for himself which are set aside as is quoted, and one should not accept other things knowing well to whom they belong. And if you, if you go to somebody's house, you don't uh, start filling up your handbag with their items. You um, have a, a different kind of attitude when you're in somebody else's home, hopefully. And in a similar way, when I'm educated about the, the fact and I have the realization that everything belongs to Krishna, then very careful uh, moving about his creation and, uh, and claiming that anything belongs to me, which is ludicrous. Bhumi, uh, the earth personified in the uh, 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, 12th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhumi Gita, gives her um, analysis of the world. And she says, all these foolish kings come into the world and then and they try to conquer the land and they spill blood trying to do it. From my perspective, she says, they're only here for a few seconds, but they think it's a big deal to conquer and control and be in charge. Just like in America, if, if you can get elected as president, you can stay in office for four or eight years. And that's a, um, a big deal, apparently. Uh, <laughs> but Bumi's been here for 40 millions, uh, 40,000 40, millions of years and sees them coming and going. She says, when they conquer the earth, they're not satisfied. They also want to conquer the ocean and say, this part of the ocean is mine, or the whole ocean is mine, or the whole world is mine. So we have to understand what our relationship is, that we're in somebody else's house. And when we understand that, it's, it's logical and it's natural, actually, that we'll be careful in how we use everything and use it for Krishna's service. Besides the fact that there's a great pleasure in utilizing things for Krishna. You know, being around devotees who have this spirit, I just their house, their homes are transcendentalized. If you go into the, the most opulent house where there's no deity and there's no sense that the house belongs to the deity, it's really a dead place. I've been in houses like that and it's just a burden. It's like um, uh, foot shackles. The, the, the home, the family, the possessions, uh, Shukadev says in the 10th canto, 14th chapter, they become like foot shackles and they, uh, the house becomes like a prison. But uh, those 
bodhis, when you go into somebody's house where the, the house belongs to the deity, there, there's always a feeling of um, happiness in such a house because the same opulence is there, but it's, it's properly placed. So you also have to taste the happiness of giving everything to Krishna and considering that it belongs to him. It already does, so it's not a stretch. Sachinanda <laughs> Gopika said, instead of taking from God, we give to God. What are we taking and what are we giving? Please explain. Instead of taking from God, it's an attitude. And so Krishna says, Patram Pushpam Palam Toyam. It's so easy, I'll accept even a leaf if you offer it to me with love. So whatever we use, uh, Krishna says, whatever you eat, whatever you offer, whatever you give away, whatever you perform and sa sacrifice, whatever, whatever kind of austerities you do, should dedicate it to Krishna, then it becomes blissful. Just like when we do the um, Janmashtami Vrat and we all sit together the whole day and we just hear and chant, we're never happier. There's no other happy, no happier time than we're together hearing and chanting. So using everything for Krishna. And what are we giving up? We're giving up the false ego that it belongs to me. And that's a huge burden. Hare Krishna, Dennis. Okay, Naimasharanya. Uh, says, my understanding in, is relationship with Krishna in Goloka Vrindavan is more intimate than relationships in Vaikuntha. That's true. If that is true, then exalted devotees whom we read about in Srimad Bhagavatam, like Prahlad Maharaj, Dhruva Hanuman, are in the Vaikuntha planets. And yet, as we read in this section, Mahaprabhu is giving us the highest level, which will allow, allow us to go back to Goloka Vrindavan. How do we understand this point that we could get more intimate relationship with Krishna than these wonderful exalted devotees. Well, it's not that they don't have intimate relationship with Krishna. Every living entity, sanitya nitya sambandha prakritishcha paraivasa, every one of us has an eternal, very intimate relationship with Krishna. And every devotee in his or her unique relationship with Krishna feels that this is the best and most intimate. It's, uh, it's not that they, they feel like they got cheated or something like that. You know, I go to Volkswagen where I could have had a, um, you know, a, a Mercedes or something. Uh, it, it's absolute. And um, they all appreciate uh, the, the services of the others. In fact, when Narada goes about looking for the devotee who's received the most mercy in the Brihat Bhagavatam Rita, he goes from one to the next uh, devotee, and each one of them defers to another. Each one of them is full of humility and considers that I haven't received any mercy. And when he gets, does uh, Narda to the topmost uh, devotees, has been pointed uh, all the way up to the gopis of Vrindavan, they say, oh, you know, we're insignificant. We haven't received mercy. And they defer to all the other devotees. So this is the mood of somebody who has received mercy. And each one of them in their own right uh, feels completely happy and satisfied in his or her own um, relationship with Krishna. What's more, you'll notice that devotees like Narada, they're um, engaged in glorifying the, uh, the pastimes in Krishna's pastimes in Vrindavan. He goes to Vrindavan, does Narada, and he, he witnesses all the different pastimes of Krishna and he's relishing them. And so 
it's not that there's some competition for the, uh, you know, Ujwala Rasa and everything else is, is something lesser, but actually everyone participates in all of that because it's like an, in an orchestra, every one of the pieces, that is every one of the musicians is important to, for the whole orchestra. If you just had Ujwala Rasa, no other Rasas, it wouldn't work. Uh, you actually have to have all of them together in order to uh, give Krishna the kind of taste that he wants, which is unlimited, unlimited variety he wants to taste. So the devotees feel satisfied in serving Krishna through their particular relationship with him. And at the same time, they're able to relish the higher rasas through their appreciation of those devotees who are engaged in those rasas. So there, there's no dearth of satisfaction uh, for anyone uh, at any level who's engaging in devotional service fully to the Lord in the, his or her relationship. From Hari and Columbus, it is very interesting that we get inebriated by the unconscious, uncontinuous love, uncontinuous uncon love found in this world. Why do we get so intoxicated by it, even though we can see the frailty of the situation? Well, seeing the frailty of the situation is um, one of the first steps. Uh, most people don't see um, that um, their love is misplaced. So when one comes to Bhagavad Gita, one can start to understand, oh, I'm not my body. And the kind of attention that I'm giving to material objects is simply dragging me down. Krishna goes into... Um, very uh, well, he gives very direct statements about how we're overcome by lust and how this is our enemy and how we have to overcome it. And this is a revelation to most people. So that's a first step to become aware that we have uh, a, um, we're at odds with our uh, relationships here at the material world. And that's why they're so frustrating, isn't it? They're, they, <laughs> they don't, the relationships seem like they should work here, but they don't necessarily. And even if they do, then they're not permanent. And that's a great source of, of distress also. So first step is understanding what, where is my relationship and where I can point it. And then it takes some time, as Prabhupada says in the third chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, to transform lust into love. And this is the process of bhakti yoga. We're using in that same love, but we're redirecting it through uh, the process first of Vaidhi Bhakti. And Prabhupada describes how you get up early in the morning and you perform Mangalarti, can you dress the deity and so forth, you're cooking for him. And then after some time, you, you get a natural taste for it, where you feel like, oh, this is really nice. And Krishna reciprocates. And then there's this a transference of the affection that we have for uh, objects in the material world, relationships in the material world, and then it, it gradually transforms as love for Krishna. Yuvatinam yata yuni yunam chau yuvatau yata mano biramate tadvan mano mam ramate twayi. In the Mangalacharana, we sang today uh, a verse that says that just as young boys are attracted to young girls, young girls attracted to young boys, spontaneous. <laughs> Let my attraction. Be like that for you, Krishna. And so by the 
process that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has taught us to follow, we'll naturally develop this uh, spontaneous love for Krishna in a particular way. And um, then Tadiya Seva Prabhu says, our Vaishnava philosophy repeatedly says that we are not the body. If something bad happens in this material world, should we not lament? Can a jiva completely avoid lamentation in a material body? Oh yes, absolutely. Because uh, if one is uh, very much aware of the fact that he or she is not this body, then there's no cause for lamentation. Uh, just as as much as if you, let's just say, uh, um, uh, right now, somewhere in, um, we'll pick a city. Um, where? Buenos Aires, Argentina. Okay, Buenos Aires, Argentina, right now, a car is getting hit. Are people driving around down there right now, Prima? Yes, Maharaj. Okay, so uh, maybe a car just got hit somewhere, but we don't care, do we? <laughs> I'm not sitting here lamenting because a car in Buenos Aires just got hit. Uh, but if it's my car out in front of my house, then I'll lament because if a tree falls on it or something, then I... I have some connection to it, so it'll be a cause of lamentation. For those who have uh, understood, I have nothing to do with this body, it's just going on. <laughs> It's going on doing its thing, and I'm just hanging out here. It's not my, it's not mine. It's like it, it's not my car in Buenos Aires either. So it doesn't mean that we should not care for the body, but uh, those who are advanced and they something happens to the body, they don't lament because there's nothing to lament. It's only the movement of the material nature, and it's going to change, and it's going to um, at one day the the body will just stop functioning. And the devotee doesn't lament that either. And Krishna says this directly in the Gita, second chapter, that even when you change finally the body uh, to another body, the person is not uh, disturbed by it. Uh, just as I'm changing from boyhood to old age, and uh, when I change my body, it's just uh, a similar change. It's not something to lament. And uh, let's see. Naima Sharanya, follow-up question. So can devotees uh, give pleasure to Krishna also, go to Vaikuntha, by our process given by Mahaprabhu? Yeah, they can. Some devotees are... are uh, in Mahaprabhu's pastimes even, they're attracted to Lord Ramachandra, like was Anupam, and was Marari Gupta, and Mahaprabhu was very pleased. Mahaprabhu is Krishna himself, so he's Rasaraj. He has, all the Rasas are there within. It's not uh, reserving only specific thing. Although he came to teach the highest living entities who naturally have a, an attraction or relationship to, um, you know, a Vaikuntha deity, they could also come through Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He can fulfill all desires and is the 
eternal broker for all living beings. Mayank, I'm not seeing anything here on... Um... I have a question. Oh, yes. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Yes, Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Good to see you. Nice to see you. Hare Hare. Thank you. So my question is, we were reading, you were reading about uh, at the time of the death, it depends on the consciousness you get there, like in the eighth chapter of Bhagavad Gita. But I also heard that if by chance a devotee don't remember the Lord at the time of death, the Lord like jump in the mind of the devotee. I don't remember, don't remember where. Can you say something about that, Maharaj? Please? Sure, it's in the, um, in the Sri Shapanishad. Uh, mantra 17. Haribo Mataji, good to see you. Um, it's in the it's in the Sri Shapanishad Mantra 17. Uh, the if you want to look at that really quick. Yeah, so Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Mukhar Vinder, are you looking? Huh? 17th only, Maharaj, yes. Did you found it? Let me search. Is it Isha Panishad 17? Yeah. Yes, I'm on it. I know you're on it. I'm looking for the in the purport. <laughs> you did good. You found it fast. Now I have to find what I promised from the purport. Uh, in which Prabhupada says. Okay. Previous mantras. Faith, the spiritual kingdom. Well, uh, unlike the simple animals who have no developed mind, the dying human being can remember the activities of his life like dreams at night. Therefore, his mind remains surcharged with material desires. And consequently, he cannot enter into the spiritual kingdom with a spiritual body. The devotees, however, develop a sense of love for Godhead by practicing devotional service to the Lord. Even if at the time of death, a devotee does not remember his service to the Lord, the Lord does not forget him. This prayer is given to remind the Lord of the devotee's sacrifices. But even if there is no such reminder, the Lord does not forget the services rendered by his pure devotee. So that's uh, close enough uh, to jumping into <laughs> devotee's mind. Um, the, the Lord is uh, is extremely um, grateful, you know, for the service of the devotees, and He doesn't forget, um, as Prabhupada just mentioned there. So that is something that is uh, 
the devotee depends upon. In fact, uh, that is the topic in the, uh, at the end of the eighth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. Naite Sriti Parthajana Muyati. You can look up the uh, third to the last uh, verse in the um, eighth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, please. Okay, next one. Naite sati parta janan yogi muhyati kashjana tasmat sarveshu kalishu yoga yukto bavarjana. Although the devotees know these two paths, O Arjuna, the two paths are for yogis. They try to find an auspicious time to leave the world. So leaving uh, at such an auspicious time, they'll attain liberation. But if they don't make that, then they have to return. So the Krishna is saying, Although the devotees know these two paths, O Arjuna, they are never bewildered, therefore be always fixed in devotion. Uh, Krishna is here advising Arjuna that he should not be disturbed by the different paths the soul can take when leaving the material world. The devotee of the Supreme Lord should not worry whether he will depart by arrangement or by accident. The devotee should be firmly established in Krishna consciousness and chant Hare Krishna. He should know that certain he should know that concern over either of these two paths is troublesome. The best way to be absorbed in Krishna consciousness is to be always dovetailed in his service. And this will make one's path through the spiritual kingdom safe, certain, and direct. Safe, certain, and direct. The word yoga yukta is especially significant in this verse. One who is firm in yoga is constantly engaged in Krishna consciousness and all his activities. Sri Rupa Goswami advises, One should be unattached in material affairs and do everything in Krishna consciousness. By this system, which is called Yukta Vairagya, one attains perfection. Therefore, the devotee is not disturbed by these descriptions because he knows that his passage to the supreme abode is guaranteed by devotional service. Prema, is that all right? Thank you, Mara. Thank you so much. Yeah, there's a lot more, but these these are strong uh, statements, and you know, gives us an indication that um, we simply depend on Krishna. It means uh, just be fully engaged, and you know how Krishna deals with us at the time of death is up to him. We're not, of course, you know, we don't neglect anything, and we don't uh, throw caution to the wind, as Prabhupada mentioned earlier. Person is careful. The example of Marj Bharat is there also. It's not that we should, you know, uh, get attached to a, a deer or a squirrel or a mouse or something. And, you know, then because that, you know, Krishna could then show us at the time of death as he did Bharat Maharaj, just like be more careful, you know. And he gave him that, that uh, remembrance when he took birth as a deer that you know, you kind of blew it because you had a, a clear path and you didn't take it. We still have our free will at the end. So don't just leave it all on Krishna. You, you know, be careful. I can tell Manjula Kanta is ready to jump in. No? Okay. All right, all right. Oh, okay, go ahead. It's a good all right, Krishna. I was thinking that um, in the Goloka Vrindavan, we talk about Madhurya Rasa and devotees in Madhurya Rasa can actually uh, also take up the other rasas, right? Like Shanta or uh, what's... Uh, it's included know. within them. 
So, so the question I have is, um, is it true that in the spiritual, in, in Goloka Vrindavan specifically, there is no one who is only in Shantarasa? Only Shantarasa's uh, devotees are only in Vaikuntha. Is that right? Well, Prabhupada in various descriptions talks about how, you know, a chair or some grass might be in Shantarasa and have some sense of Shanta. But when it comes to the spiritual world, there's no, you can't make some stereotype and say it's only like this or like, like that. It's an unlimited realm with no rules. And so we give some general ideas, but it's categorization is not, uh, you know, like it can't be like this or it can't be like that. Okay. So, so that it's not required that, so even in Vaikuntha planets, there are, there, there are devotees in Madhavi Rasa. In Vaikuntha? Yeah. No. Okay. The Madhurya is in, in uh, uh, Vrindavan. That Rasa is in Vrindavan because in Vaikuntha, the Rasa is, uh, is Dasya Ras. There's a, a sense of the Lord being superior there. And in, uh, in Galoga Vrindavan, the Aishwarya or the opulence of the Lord is suppressed. He suppresses it so that that feeling of um, intimacy is, is prominent. And um, in Madhurya Ras or in uh, Parental Ras, those uh, sometimes come up, but the devotees um, are not uh, concerned with them or they're not aware of them so much uh, like mother yashoda when krishna eats dirt and then he lies about it and he says i didn't eat dirt i mean this is the vatsalya ras <laughs> mother yashoda hears he eat dirt and krishna you ate dirt and he goes no i didn't and then like your friends all said you they're lying they lied let's see in your mouth <laughs> he opens his mouth and then in his mouth uh, Yashoda sees this opulence that she sees herself and then Krishna and then unlimited energies and everything is there within his mouth. And he said, all right, just close your mouth and just, you know, <laughs> be good. You know, <laughs> she doesn't, uh, she, the, the opulence is um, a disturbance to the uh, intimacy. So um, it's, it's suppressed there for the rest of, but it's, uh, in Vaikuntha, you know, we see that evidence when uh, Gopal Kumar goes there and really he has an innate mood of a friendship with Krishna, Madan Gopal. And when he sees Lord Narayan, he acts in that way, like very spontaneously. Everyone's there offering prayers. And then he kind of, he's like, hey, Gopal! And everyone looks at him like, you know, what are you doing? And, uh, the Lord of Vaikuntha then, at certain intervals, he keeps losing his four arms because around this Gopal Kumar, he's feeling that, um, you know, bhav. And so, you know, he transforms two arms and then back into four because Krishna can't resist the, um, the loving sentiments of his devotees, especially um, in Vrindavan. He's controlled by the love of his devotees. Thank you, Prabhu. I have one more question. Okay. This is about sadhana. I was just thinking that we have a call that we, um, devotees get on a call, uh, Shankaran Prabhu does the call, 
like it, we chant from 5.30 to 7.30 and we have a sadhana chart we fill in also. So 7.30, if you chant after 7.30, the number of points you get is only into three. Before 7.30 is into five. So we fill this in every day. So um, I usually try to do it before 7.30, basically for my points. So when it comes to days when I suddenly wake up a little late, at that point, I realized that my mind is so focused on the points that I won't be distracted because I know I only have an hour and a half to finish my 16 rounds that day, not two hours. So I will be so focused. So I was just talking about this to Shivatsa and he told me that, so you're chanting for points and not for Krishna. <laughs> and then it struck me that that's so true because I, my goal is that I have to finish my 16 by 7.30. Otherwise, I won't get the points. I have to put it on the sadhana chart. The, all the whole world, all the devotees will see my sadhana chart. So I'm, I'm trying to understand the mood. Um, how do I change that mood? <laughs> well, this is uh, more like Vaidhi Bhakti. There's rules and regulations. And yena tena prakaryana manap krishna neveshaya. We should, uh, one way or another, we should fix our mind on Krishna. And the way to fix our mind on Krishna is to chant. And if you have to corral your mind into chanting because, you know, you're going to get points, um, then while you're chanting, uh, just be aware that you're chanting it and hear the names. And you'll be in a happy situation because you're going to be getting this connection with the power of the holy name. And you'll, you'll gradually then become more spontaneous in the chanting. I'm not saying you're not very spontaneous now because you are in your whole service attitude, but I'm just saying it'll just grow from there. So there are ways that um, devotees invent to um, get themselves on track because it's, it's good to be on track and it's good to chant. And if you can convince your mind to come in and chant because you're going to get extra points uh, at this particular time, then this is the vaidi. It's like rules and regulations you're following at the point, but it'll expand into um, more spontaneous. And then let's see, um, Mayank Prabhu is putting up questions, lecture comments. Divyanga Prabhu said to hear about him always, the actual pleasure of the senses. So that's 325.2, if you could put that up for a second. 325.2 Bhagavatam. And Sarah says some material attachments seem to be stronger and therefore harder to maintain equipoise when storms come, such as very intimate relationship ending, such as a spouse or child, either by that person choosing to leave or death. How can we maintain we are not this body, therefore no attachment here is truly mine during these uh, material changes to such strong attachment? Well, yes, uh, those are very difficult. And it's not that um, we won't have, there won't be some effect during those times. But it really, Sarah, has to do with how we process them. Because uh, devotees, although they'll be, uh, they'll experience some shock when a loved one uh, leaves or they get separated somehow. But then how, how we process that afterwards means uh, we take shelter of Krishna. We take shelter of chanting. We take shelter of the philosophy. And by that, we'll actually come to a realization that will be solidified in our heart. In fact, the various changes we go through in our life, like losing, for instance, parents, these are very um, pivotal times in our devotional service that when we uh, inevitably feel that heaviness of heart and then 
we um, attend to that heaviness of heart by chanting Hare Krishna, taking shelter of Vaishnavas and so forth, then we'll fill in that blank with Krishna's mercy. And that becomes a real impetus in our life. And not only that, the kind of separation we feel from loved ones in this world will, will give us a realization of how deep our emotions for Krishna actually are when we chant Hare Krishna during those times. Because uh, as human beings, we're vulnerable like anything. We're so exposed to everything in the human form of life. And it's inevitable that we're going to have these uh, emotional um, uh, episodes, uh, some of them very deep. But when you continue to chant Hare Krishna during those times, actually the realization, the fruit that you'll come out with is that, uh, oh, I see this is what it feels like to some degree when one actually has love for Krishna. And that becomes a, a point of realization uh, for the devotees. So the actual um, you know, ups and downs of life, vidyam cha vidyam cha yas tad vedo bayam saha avidyayam ratum tirtva vidyayam ratum ashnute. Only one who can learn the process of nations and that of transcendental knowledge side by side can transcend the influence of repeated birth and death and enjoy the full blessings of immortality. Those uh, events actually strengthen us as we chant Hare Krishna. Everything makes you better when you chant Hare Krishna. So just keep chanting and deal with it. You'll notice in the Bhagavatam after the Kurukshetra War, there were so many deaths. And Yudhishthira Maharaj, he's a pure devotee, uh, but uh, he was disconsolate uh, because of the situation. And everyone went to the funeral. It's not that they said, uh, let's skip this. They're not their bodies. <laughs> they, they all went, even Krishna went, he performed the last rites and everything. And, and, and he consoled you to share. And how did he console him? He took him to Bhishma Dev. And he said, you listen to Bhishma Dev. And then Bhishma Dev, who's lying on a bed of arrows said, here's how it actually is. And he gave his instructions. And that's how we move in, in devotional service through the world where there's inevitable emotional traumas that will visit us inevitable. So here's a verse given to us by none other than His Grace Divyanga Prabhu, 325.2, Nahyasya Varshmana Pumsam Varinna Sarva Yoginam Vishru Tau Shrutadevasya Buri Tripyanti Mesava. Shaudaka continued, there is no one who knows more than the Lord Himself. No one is more worshipable or more mature a yogi than he. He is therefore the master of the Vedas, and to hear about him always is the actual pleasure of the senses. Purport. In the Bhagavad Gita, it is stated that no one can be equal to or greater than the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This is confirmed in the Vedas also. Eko bahunam yovidatikaman. He is the supreme living entity and is supplying the necessities of all other living entities. Thus, all other living entities, both Vishnu Tattva and Jiva Tattva, are subordinate to the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna. The same concept is confirmed here. Nahyasya Varshmana Pumsam. Amongst the living entities, no one can surpass the Supreme Person because no one is richer, more famous, stronger, more beautiful, wiser, or more renounced than he. 
These qualifications make him the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the cause of all causes. Yogis are very proud of performing wonderful feats, but no one can compare to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Anyone who is associated with the Supreme Lord is accepted as a first-class yogi. Devotees may not be as powerful as the Supreme Lord, but by constant association with the Lord, they become as good as the Lord himself. Sometimes the devotees act more powerfully than the Lord. Of course, that is the Lord's concession. Also used here is the word varimna, meaning the most worshipable of all yogis. To hear from Krishna is the real pleasure of the senses. Therefore, he is known as Govinda. For by his words, by his teachings, by his instruction, by everything connected with him, he enlivens the senses. Whatever he instructs is from the transcendental platform, and his instructions, being absolute, are non-different from him. Hearing from Krishna or his expansion or plenary expansion like Kapila is very pleasing to the senses. Bhagavad Gita can be read or heard many times, but because it gives great pleasure, the more one reads Bhagavad Gita, the more he gets the appetite to read and understand it. And each time he... gets new enlightenment. That is the nature of the transcendental message. Similarly, we find that transcendental happiness in the Srimad Bhagavatam. Similarly, we find that transcendental happiness in the Srimad Bhagavatam. The more we hear and chant the glories of the Lord, the more happy, the more we become happy. That's the facts. So by uh, sticking to it, whether you get points or not, um, that the, the transcendental vibration is association with Krishna and the, the effect will be there. So we can continue in that way. Akama sarva kamava moksha kama udaradi tivrena bhakti yogena yajeta purusham param. You may have some motivation for points or no points, <laughs> but still, you go and somehow figure out how to stay in the hearing and chanting arena because it rubs off. If Krishna's really. Uh, his association through hearing Bhagavatam and through his devotees, it's very infectious. It's more transmissible than the coronavirus, the new coronavirus. More transmissible. But still don't touch your face and wash your hands, okay. Um, <laughs> okay, yes. Oh, Hare Krishna, Shraddha. Go ahead. Um, so in the introduction to Chaitanya Charitamrita, Prabhupada says that um, Krishna is dependent on the mercy of the devotee and we also constantly hear how Krishna is always under the control of his devotees. Can you help me understand that concept a little bit more? Because we always hear Krishna as the all-powerful, uh, the complete, and then he, does he choose to be under? Yeah, well Prabhupada tells a story about this, about a, um, this um, man had an appointment to see the prime minister. He was some kind of a um, attache and he went up to the uh, offices of the prime minister. And of course there was a secretary outside in, you know, in a office uh, who would uh, regulate who comes in at what times. And so when the man got there, the secretary said, oh, he's, he's busy, he's engaged right now. They can't, uh, you'll have to wait in the waiting room. So he, the man sat down on the seat and he was waiting for a long time. Secretary walked out and 
the man couldn't help it, but he saw the door was open just by a little crack. So he just decided to kind of lean over and peek in. And he saw that uh, the prime minister was engaged, but he had his um, grandson on his back. And the prime minister was going around as a horse. And the little, um, you know, grandson was riding him, you know, like, come on, grandpa, go, go, go. And so <laughs> Prophet points this out that the, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, you know, out of love for the devotee, like he drives Arjuna's chariot and he, you know, has this kind of affection. The, the, uh, the spiritual world, especially Goloka Vrindavan, it's all permeated by love. You know, it's an unceremonious love. It's spontaneous. And it's just a Krishna's spontaneous love for his devotees that he feels forever um, grateful to them and also is trying to serve them. And they're always, there's a competition because they're always, always trying to serve him also. And there's also this concept that has to do with um, how Krishna likes to be pampered. Like he, he likes the best stuff. Everything has to be perfect. And someone might say, well, that sounds very like, uh, uh, you know, what kind of person they demand all the best of everything. But the reason that Krishna loves it, the Acharya says, is because he knows when the devotees offer them, offer him the best stuff, then they get the highest pleasure. Because as Prahlad Maharaj says, he says, we're just like reflections of the Lord. So when you decorate your face and you're looking in the mirror, then the reflection in the mirror also is decorated. So when we serve Krishna, when we give him, actually I heard Prabhupada the other day, he said, we offer Krishna everything first class. Then he said, better than first class. <laughs> better than first class. When the devotees offer better than first class, then they become better than first class just by that endeavor to offer to Krishna because we're his parts and parcels. And so this, there's this, I hate to use the word, but a symbiotic relationship we have with Krishna. You know, it's so, um, this, is, uh, this is our eternal relationship and, and Krishna becomes, um, in fact, the, when the pitch of the love is so intense, it's so high, I should say, that, um, you know, the Bhagavatam, the pinnacle of the Bhagavatam is when uh, Krishna says to the gopis, I can't repay your love. Because in the Gita, he says, that uh, however you surrender me, I reward you accordingly. So when it comes to the kind of love that the gopis have, which is um, so pure and absolute, they have no concern for themselves, only for Krishna. Then Krishna says, I can't repay you. You'll have to be satisfied with your, with your own, uh, you know, with your own love, because I can't, I can't reciprocate that. It's too high. He feels indebted to them for that. And uh, also, Chaitanya Charitamrita says that the more the devotees invest themselves in loving Krishna, the the more they enjoy, and they enjoy more than Krishna. In fact, in the case of the uh, Srimati Radharani, she enjoys 10 million times more than Krishna does. That's one of the reasons that Krishna comes as Lord Chaitanya, because he says, wait a minute, he's, uh, the, I'm the supreme enjoyer, but the, uh, the devotees are enjoying more than I am. So he comes as, 
as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to taste that same enjoyment. And how to get to that position? Brahma says, Yane prayasa mudapasya namanta eva jivanti san mukaritam bhavadiya vartam stani stita shutitikatam vanmano bhira ye prayaso jitta jito pyasi taistri lokyam. If you dedicate yourself, body, mind, and words to the narrations of the Lord, hearing from, from him through the, through the Bhagavatam and serving that sound vibration, then uh, you'll come to the, that point. Your heart will, will become melted and you'll, you'll become uh, such a lover of Krishna that you'll conquer him by your love. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Guru. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Yes, Hare Krishna. Uh, yeah, um, I have a question that uh, how Srila um, <clears throat> uh, Prabhupada here, here says, maybe he is in Golok Vrindavan, right? So if somebody is in Golok Vrindavan, engaged in Krishna's studies there and continuously in with Krishna, right? So how he hears us? Well, it's not material sound that, uh, you know, through the, through the process. Of, first of all, you see in the pastime of Juva Maharaj. Juva Maharaj became very determined to uh, meet God and ask him for a benediction. So he left his kingdom and he was a five-year-old boy going out in the forest with such determination that he felt uh, nothing will stop me. And because his full intention was that he wanted to find God, then uh, he met his spiritual master, Narada Muni. So Narada Muni, was there and uh, intercepted him on the way. And the text says that he had heard, overheard the conversation between um, Juva and his mother. And Prabhupada then brings out the point that how did he, how did he hear it? Because um, he wasn't there. There wasn't a physical sound. Then Prabhupada says, because the Paramatma is there within everyone's heart. And then he informs the, uh, the guru that here's a person that is, needs your help. And so there's an interception that happens there. It's all by divine arrangement. It's by the internal potency. So that relationship is there. And as far as Krishna hearing the prayers uh, or, you know, one of the... Um, actually, in the Briya Bhagavatamrita, Srimati Radharani is aware of the of plight of various devotees in the world then you know she, she's uh sends out gopal kumar to come to the material world to actually you know help somebody else come up to the the spiritual world so this is interchange uh that's always there uh, remember krishna is omniscient and anyone else he wants to inform uh within the heart can also Share in that omniscience because Krishna is uh, connected to every living living entity. There's no separation. It doesn't have to do with uh, you know whether you have a strong internet connection. It's not like that because uh, that's a material example. A spiritual com communication is unlimited. I hope that helps. Thank you so much, Maharaj. Okay. Hare Krishna. Let's see. We have um, Bhakti. Kamala said, I like this quote with the pitch of love is so high that Krishna says to Gopi, I cannot repay you. 
feels indebted to them. Their love is so high. Hearing Bhagavatam in the heart will melt and Krishna will be in your heart. Yes, nice remembrance. And Naratam Priya, offer Krishna better than first class. <laughs> better than first class. See, that's Prabhupada. He taught all of us better than first class. And anything else in the chat that I've missed? Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Hare Krishna. This is Shamalangi Devi Dasi. I had a question. So we come across this, you know, the statement that... Uh, Krishna and his incarnations, they never come under the control of material nature. Hmm. I wanted to ask about the Saktavish Avatar because they are uh, living entities who are empowered by the Lord. Um, how are they same or different than the other uh, expansions? Well, um, some Shaktivesh can be a, a Jiva who is invested with... Um, similar power to Krishna's. He, he puts his power within them so that they can do wonderful things. And uh, the difference is uh, they are, um, uh, can be Jivatattva, but then have that specific empowerment for a specific thing, you know, to do something that is um, a no, no normal uh, person could do. So the distinction is just academic in a way. I mean, all of the various um, distinctions and the expansions of the Lord are there, for instance, in the Laku Bhagavatamrita, it goes into great detail. And this is a kind of a detailed explanation of the, the Lord Shaktis and the way he expands himself into Balaram and then the Chaturvyuha and then... And, Mahasankarshan, the second Chaturvyuha, the Mahavishnus and all that. And um, all these are, you know, explained there. But the conclusion of the, um, of the Brahma Samhita um, is that uh, it's like one candle and then it's lighting other candles. The, the power is there and it's manifest from the Lord but it's pointing back to the original personality of God and everything's emanating from him ultimately. So not all Saktavish avatars are jivas? Um, yes, yeah, anyone can be a Shaktavish avatar, but there may be other um, tattvas that are not jivas who are empowered by the Supreme Personality of Godhead okay. to do certain kinds of things. Okay, thank you. Guru Maharaj, I did have questions. I had questions from when you did your chanting in the morning because um, you were talking about how we uh, spread our love around. Prabhupada was saying we spread our love around and uh, we don't concentrate it on Krishna. And if we do, it works. And I was thinking about and I wanted to ask you a question, but then you answered all my questions through the course of the day. And then I realized that um, nobody can explain Prabhupada better than Prabhupada himself because his other purport that you were reading from the CC explained it so beautifully. Thank yeah, you. I mean, it, it, the introduction, isn't it amazing? It's just mind-boggling. I hear it again and again. It, it's so seamless, and, and the structure of it, it keeps you taking you by the hand into deeper and deeper spiritual water. Just uh, all of a sudden, you find yourself in a, you know, in the very detailed and um, high topic of a Goloka Vrindavan. It's like that in the T TLC also. 
I mean, we used to distribute those in parking lots to, you know, housewives and stuff like that. I remember being on Traveling Sangatan with Vanabata Prabhu on Easter, and we had we got little Easter baskets, and uh, we were collecting and distributing uh, the TLC. And um, thinking back on it, you know, some suburban housewife driving out from the grocery store, and then she gets a Teachings of Lord Chaitanya. And it, that book is, it's, it's a, it's like a PhD thesis on Lord Chaitanya. And it goes from the most elementary instructions about the mind and about a Bogatyag and, and then it goes all the way up to, into the Rasa Lila. And, uh, you know, it's indicative of the way Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to the world and gave the highest thing to people who had no idea what it was. <laughs> And, you know, probably continued to that mood and the distribution of such uh, exalted literature. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's everywhere now. It's, it's flowed out there and it continues to flow. And so, you know, I guess the main point is that it's very merciful and it's, as you're saying, and it's also um, so clearly explained and it takes us to the highest level. I always thought that you explain things really, really good. But that's just the disciple and the guru. And then I realized that hearing from the Acharya from the guru is Sukhumukat Amritam Ravasamritam. It's so good. Thank you so much, Maharaj, for all you do. Okay, thank you. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Prabhu. Yes? Prabhu, this is Malini here. Oh, it's Malini. Hare Krishna. Prabhuji, so um, I was, um, the other day somebody was asking me this question that if uh, from the introduction that we read Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is so merciful and he came to teach us the highest um, so why was Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's incarnation hidden and why was it not so popular um, so they were asking so I just was wondering if you can answer well, um, that's answered actually in the um, TLC and elsewhere in the 11th canto the Srimad Bhagavatam Acharyas talk about this Srila Bhakti Siddhanta mentions it and he said it's it's because in the age of Kali Yuga, people are so contaminated that if he came as uh, Krishna himself, in other words, he manifested his full potency as the Supreme Personality of Godhead and didn't cover himself, then um, people are so apt to just imitate that. And it would have led to a lot of imitation and also into more Mayavad idea because people are really contaminated and they think, oh, there he is. He's God. I can be God too. Uh, so um, he was careful to uh, cover it. And Prabhupada gives the example of a of a parent or a, an adult teaching uh, an adult adult teacher teaching a child how to do the first letters. Mm -hmm. So okay, here's the A, B, C, and then uh, the child learns like that. And then he says, you shouldn't think though that the um, the teacher is on the same level as a child. Oh, he only knows ABCs or something like that. But, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was in the same mood. I have to bring these people along from their level and uh, explain things. Because even at the time, you can see from the Chaitanya Charnamrita, Chaitanya Bhagavat, the students that Lord Chaitanya had, when he came back from Gaya and he started teaching them things, they were very puffed up. You know, they, uh, well, not all of them. Many of them are described as being very fortunate, eternal, uh, you know, associates of the Lord and so forth. But 
in the pastime where he, he chants the names of the gopis and then they become um, impudent about that and say, you should chant Krishna's names, not the gopis' names. And he chases after them and then they want to beat him up and so forth. You know, So then you know he takes sannyas and it's acharya lila because he has to bring people along slowly and, and show them by example in this age because they're really contaminated. What to speak of now, um, you know, there's no culture whatsoever We're preaching in the West and, and people really don't know anything except for, uh, you know, fake news and this and that. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a crazy mess. It's a crazy mess. So they need somebody to uh, take them by the hand and a really simple process of dispensation. I was thinking the other day, a lot of people are getting this uh, government money now because things are just so messed up that uh, the government just says, you know, we just got to pay everybody. Otherwise, you know, there, there will be no uh, economy, no nothing. So in the Kali Yuga, uh, Mahaprabhu's perspective is like that. It's like, these people don't know anything. <laughs> totally messed up. We just, we'll just give them the, they don't have to try so hard. We'll just give them the money, you know. They can uh, <laughs> just take it as a dispensation. So he gives them out that special uh, um, mercy, you know, in the age of Kali. And he does it as one of them, you know, he walks among them. Even Krishna is known as Janadivasa, you know, he walks among the people. Even when he comes as Krishna, not many people recognize him even. So, and if they do, they get really envious. So he, he's a little bit careful about how he reveals himself to people. Thank you, Prabhupada. Hi, Krishna. Let's see. I think we're out of time. But... We have some questions on the chat. There's some questions on the chat. A lot of questions on the chat. Where do I start? Bhakta Alex, Daimasaranya. There, Bhakta Alex says... Please forgive my crude question. Should trading in the stock market or for exchange be avoided? Or are they considered gambling? Uh, kind of depends. Um, Krupali Shah to everybody. I mean, the thing is, you got to put your money somewhere and you should be uh, very careful and conservative. Uh, but if you bury it in a coffee can in your backyard, um, that's also a gamble. Fact is, money is money is money is troublesome. Bhagavatam says that's one of the ways you give up attachment to it is to realize how troublesome it is to keep it. Because <laughs> once you get it, then you're like, oh my God, where do I put it? And then I'm going to lose it. I was thinking, Maharaj, that Sanatan Goswami was about to be murdered because of the golden coins. Yeah, golden coins and. You know, they put it with a grocer. They had, back then they had, you know, safe places they could put it. They had cash. But they, you know, they invested. They put it aside because they knew there was going to be uh, some trouble. They got to get out of jail. They have to have a, a, a little bribe ready. So these, you know, the considerations for devotees have money. Prabhupada had bank accounts. And he, you know, he kept close track of them. He had them in a locked bag and kept in a locked because it's it's yukta vairagya he needed it to spread krishna consciousness and do so many things so we have to be really really good stewards of whatever energy give, krishna gives us especially money 
So that has to be uh, dealt with really carefully. Oh boy, so many questions. Uh, and I think we're way out of time, right? Yeah. So Maharaj, Madhav Prem will pick them up. I'm here. Okay, Madhav Prem Prabhu will pick them up. Anyway, it's only one actual question here, I think, isn't it? It's, uh, I feel my relation with Krishna is changing by year. Before I was thinking as a friend, Sakya, but now I feel some time to see as child when make boga for him and when make garland, I feel like Sakya Bab. It's materially relation. I'm not eligible for that. So it is okay. Our relation to get changing with Krishna. I know it is not pure and constant. I'm not in that stage. But sometimes I feel that so ideal, that's so what's ideal relation has to be constant or is it okay behavior to get change in a bhava? Oh, yeah, well, um, these kinds of considerations should come of their own accord. Uh, don't uh, try to mentally speculate and think that I'm a sucky or a, I'm in this bhava or that bhava. Uh, develop a... Um, a really strong practice of devotional service and hearing and chanting and overhearing for a long period of time there'll be a uh, lessening of material desires and one will come to the position of nishta then ruchi and then asakti and then bhava and then and prema and as one advances towards the the higher levels and especially after one has given up all the anartas then there's some um, opportunity for a sense of one's um, relationship with Krishna, which is introduced within the mind of the, the devotee um, at, by Krishna, and then the devotee becomes attached to that. But uh, we, we needn't try to position ourselves or speculate about what it is according to our service or whatever mood we're in in a particular time, but we should rather become attached to our services in hearing and chanting. Uh, did you have another uh, point, Shraddha, about a question on the board or anything like that? I know, Maharaj, we're good. Okay, there's just one last thing and I can actually finish all the questions. And uh, Bhaktin Raffaella said, grateful I found these programs as I am missing Harinam and the devotees and being late at home because of Harinam, making relatives sometimes nervous pronouncing Krishna's name. What is the rasa of the devotees who reside in Dwarka and in which planet Sri Sri Gora Nitai reside? There's a, a, a part of Goloka that is also Navadweep where um, Gora Nitai are there. And um, there's no difference actually between um, uh, Raja Goloka Dham and, and Navadweep Dham. They're the same, only the uh, Vrindavan Raja is known as Madhurya. It's sweet, 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 sweet. Everything's sweet. And then in Audoria, that same sweetness is there, but you can imagine a big container, and then it's filled up with so much sweetness that it's overflowing. And it, it's the, a part of the overflowing sweetness is that it's distributing to everybody. That's the Moodle or Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And then uh, this Dwarka, Dwarka Dham, so the, the, there's uh, several abodes. There's uh, um, Dwarka, Mathura, and uh, Vrindavan. And so they're described in the 
um, in the highest spiritual realm as perfect, more perfect, and most perfect. And uh, these are all part of the um, eternal uh, spiritual Goloka, but there are different divisions there. And they have their um, gradations of worshiping Krishna in, in more or less intimacy. Hare Krishna. Not to the Not to the Not to the Not to the Not to the